Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Voices for Change 2.0, the only podcast that focuses on mental health while mixing in movies, music, books, sports, and pop culture. Here are your hosts, Rebecca and Joe Lombardo. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning. We are so happy to be back with you. Yeah, welcome back to Voices for Change 2.0. We are so honored that you guys stuck around with us uh, uh, through our our our, hiatus. Thank you, yes. Um, We're on sabbatical. We're on sabbatical, yes. That's a a better way to put it, and I I can pronounce sabbatical. (laughs) I can't pronounce hiatus, apparently. We've had uh, just a lot of different things going on, and uh, we just came to the realization one day that we um, just couldn't do the show for, you know, an extended period of time. It just wasn't, um, you know, I'll be honest. It was a great deal having to do with me and and my mental status, I guess you could say. Yeah, your your mental health was not... uh healthy not the greatest um you know i'm I'm working it back now i'm i'm doing much better i can do the show now so you know before it was sort of a daunting task that i was just absolutely terrified to do and i'm feeling pretty good today so you know it i'm i'm grateful for everyone that stuck by us through this time away and everybody that we had to reschedule or cancel or whatever i just really really appreciate you being so understanding i didn't have one person you know get cross with me about the whole situation everybody was understanding and and i just really really am grateful for that yeah yeah thank you so much you guys and uh you know everybody that that we had to reschedule and and cancel with um we will get you on the show um please be patient with us uh we're trying to figure things out now but uh, in the meantime, that's uh, those are shows for another day, and this mm-hmm. is the show for today. And uh, you know. And so. how about those lions? <laughs> oh, you really went there. <laughs> you, uh, you are just the worst kind of person. I know I am. Oh my God! We yeah, have we're, to, we're we have to talk, talk a little bit about something that our our introduction talks about. No, it doesn't have to be the lions. <laughs> that's true. God awful sure. Oh. Although Carry On Johnson was practicing this week, so that's uh-huh. a promising sign. And there's even speculation that Matt Stafford might be back by the end of the season, the last two games or something, or the last oh, game. That's still uh, not going to get us in the playoffs. Oh, no. God, no. <laughs> It'd just be nice to have another win. But Yeah. Um, all right. There's one thing i got to get off my chest really quick, and then, then we can bring in our, uh, our, our wonderful guest. Okay. Baby Yoda. Oh, come on, man. (laughs) Uh, Loving the Mandalorian, loving Baby Yoda, for lack of a better name. And, uh, you know, if you haven't seen the Mandalorian, but you're a Star Wars fan, do yourself a favor. It's on Disney Plus. Yep. Spend the seven bucks a month to to get Disney Plus. That show alone is worth it. Yes, it's that good. So... I'm a Star Wars fan to a degree. I was always sort of the the original trilogy is fine by me. You don't need to add anything else. Just leave it alone kind of person. And I've since seen most of those movies. I still haven't recovered from Phantom Menace. And um, I just, I don't have any interest in this. And this big, huge blow up about this, this baby Yoda thing. Yeah, it's 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 cute, but... I just don't care that much. <laughs> it's, it's everywhere. You you haven't, but you, all you've seen is pictures. You haven't seen it actually no, on the show. I saw a video. I saw a video. And it's just, it's so freaking adorable. And the fact that it's not CGI is, to me, the, the most amazing thing about it. So, all right, that's enough Baby Yoda. Yeah, no more I know Baby it's Yoda. driving you nuts. Um, so, so, today, let's talk about today. Yes, let's talk about today. Uh, we are going to be discussing a topic that we haven't covered uh, a lot. Um, we're very excited to get get in in the 
mix with this. Um, we're speaking with a trauma recovery coach today, and we're very excited to try and get some some answers for some of our listeners, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, and just kind of uh, learn about what he does and what makes a trauma recovery coach. So please welcome to our show, Mr. Will Wismiller. Hey, good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, Joe. Hey, thanks for joining us. Uh, sorry, sorry about the sorry about the abrupt cutoff when we were talking before the show started. Um, it's, Blog it's, talk. It's yeah, it, timing that's problem. All you can say. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. We'd I be understand. lost. We'd be lost without Blog Talk Radio, but there it does have its quirks. Yes. <laughs> Well, I'm, I don't know the uh, – I'm with you on Rebecca. I haven't seen The Mandalorian, so, you know, I'm going to chime in on that. But the pictures are out there. I'm, I'm intrigued, to say the least. Yeah. If you're if you're a Star Wars fan, it's it's worth it alone watching, just diving in on the first episode. It's very um, – it's very Star Wars, you know. Uh, just the, the way the whole show is done, you know, I – they spent twenty five million an episode, and it shows. It's just, it's excellent. You know, Baby oh, Yoda yeah. aside. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of money. Twenty five yeah, million. Well, and the fact that they go back to some of the roots, right? Because it didn't start out with CGI. It was, you know, planes on a string right. on a black <laughs> backdrop. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's you know it takes place five years after Return of the Jedi, so you know the Empire has fallen, the First Order hasn't risen yet, um, so it's so kind of kind of te- the old West. It's technically not Baby Yoda. Yeah, it, we don't know. That's what they're calling it, but Yoda really? was like nine nine hundred years old. Yeah, this is when you know, he died. There's so. a lot of speculation on what the child <laughs> is. You know, it it could be my personal feeling. It could be a clone of Yoda. It could oh. be a, a child of Yoda. Uh, it could be completely unrelated to Yoda, and it's just his species. But Lucasfilm right. never released the the name of the species that Yoda is. So right, right. Yeah, you know, it's just easier calling oh, him Baby yeah. Yoda because they give him a name. <laughs> well, I'm 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 in this culture because of my kids. You know, I've got a, a nearly yeah. 22-year-old, i got a 15-year-old and 16-year-old. So, so the 15 yeah. and 16 are still at home. They have been beating me down. We want to see this. Can we get this? Because we don't have that platform, you know. So we might okay. have to get down there just to watch that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's you know, honestly, it's it's really good to have just for everything else that's on it, too. You know, with the Marvel movies and the Pixar movies and the the all the Disney movies. Um, the thing I found fascinating is part of it is national geographic and there's actually some really good documentaries on there too, which I I wasn't expecting. So that's really cool. Um, So yeah, I mean, for seven bucks a month, it's, it's uh, just a heck of a deal. Oh, there goes my time. Another time. (laughs) Come on. I got to get some work done, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sorry, bud. You know, now, now, now I, now I got to contact Disney about getting some payment for that yeah, uh, really? that sure. ad I just gave them. Yeah. <laughs> they they can spare it. All right. Awesome. Well, if you don't have any if you don't have any questions for us, we're gonna go ahead and jump in. You bet. Awesome. Okay. So we're 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 back and we're we're doing it now. So we're gonna start with our question that we left off with. The question <laughs> of all questions. <laughs> Question the, of all questions. The question we always ask everybody all the time, first out of the gate. Where does your mental health journey begin, Will? Oh my gosh. Where does my mental health journey begin? So if you want to talk about where the trauma started, that's that goes back into, you know that's pre verbal. But if you want to talk about my journey for recovery from what I now know is complex trauma developmental trauma, as Bessel van der Kolk calls it, Um, it's that journey probably started uh, when I was about 20 years old, 20, 21 years old. I was in my second year of college, Northern Illinois University, taking, you know, more hours of classes than than I should have. And my brother, my oldest brother, had passed away 
when I was 16 and he was nearly 19. Um, mm. And there were three of us brothers. So I had, I was the youngest. We we're really close in age. Um, never had a proper grieving process. Never had, uh, you know, someone who was trauma informed to talk to about it. Basically became a workaholic if I already wasn't. You know, I threw myself at books in school and got had a 4.0 and got some scholarships, went to college, and, and I kept pushing myself, pushing myself. Mm-hmm. So my journey for recovery began when I realized in college that, I, you know, this is a pressure cooker. You can only yeah. shove things down for so long. And I didn't even realize what I was shoving down. I just knew that at that time I was starting to have severe emotional flashbacks. I was starting to have... Um, and that's not even the roots of my trauma because it starts back at, you know, stuff before this. But this was re- really the trigger, I believe, was that intense grief that never got able to, was never able to be addressed. And then I'm putting the world on my shoulders thinking I can do everything I can to get a degree in something, not even knowing what, I get, what it is, but throwing myself at something. It's no different than any addiction. It's no different mm-hmm. than any other disso- dis- dissociation, but I got to a point where I wasn't sleeping and, so I sought out help through the mental health uh, services at the university. Um, and that really began my journey with actually love hate journey with the medical model of mental health and recovery. I think mm-hmm. there was a lot more re traumatization than there was recovery for me because I was diagnosed with many different things through the years, put on medications for many different things through the years. But until I, discovered what I actually do now, the trauma, trauma-informed trauma trauma recovery coaching and became a certified trauma recovery coach after having this be such a huge epiphany for me. Um, until I got to there, until I found that resource, I, you know, I fumbled through therapists and counselors and, and different things and, and, and doctors prescribing medicine for years and never could have a sense of, ease or recovery or like things could be easier for me. Um, you know, I could come back to quote unquote, some kind of normalcy. So that's where my mental health recovery journey began. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. This, this question just popped into my head. Um, uh, we probably will cover this more later, but, um, I personally, I'm an empath and whenever I, I have a tendency to pick up other people's emotions when they're explaining things to me and things like that. I just wonder, as someone who has experienced trauma and is now a trauma recovery coach, do you ever experience that type of sensation where it's it's sort of triggering for you to hear another person's story? That is, I'm glad you asked that because that is a huge, huge piece of learning this process of becoming a coach deal you're going to deal with people and their trauma and guess what folks there's not enough help out there so the fact that this is a thing the fact that the this association i'm part of exists the fact that i'm doing this work exists and that people are kind of asking the question you guys are asking me what is this Um, because trauma survivors myself included i don't trust easy I'm very much skeptical of anything that's out there. So when people ask me the question, what is this? Um, and I have to be able to explain it to people in a, in a way that they can, that people who are empaths, like I consider myself to be as well, Rebecca, are not going to be turned away and go, well, this guy's just another coach out to out after money. No, I really feel that this kind of, this type of work is, going to change the world. That's how it's set up. The process of learning this stuff is set up. And to get back to what you asked me, do I, am I affected? It's a huge part of the learning that goes into coaching. You can't do mm-hmm. this work. It's highly intensive when you get into the training. You, you are expected to kind of mull over your trauma history, to do a timeline and to talk about the deepest, darkest things. And it's triggering just to do that in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. self-care is is just like so important you you it's it's you've got to balance if i'm working let's say i have five clients in a day you better believe i'm probably taking a day off i'm going to do what works for me i'm going to go to the gym i'm going to go out in nature i'm going to get a massage or a reiki worker i, I wish there was somebody else that did what i do with body work the neuroaffective touch because it is so highly effective for the trauma release and just 
relaxing me when I've had people mm-hmm. work on that with me. It's just different. Well, we can talk about that later, but it's so body yep. work and movement. My autonomic nervous system activation, I fall on that side of the spectrum. Some people, I can do more grounding now that I'm further along in my journey. Like I can sit still and try to, you know, do yoga or meditation, things like that. But generally when I'm highly activated, movement is my go-to. Or I'm even learning other things, smells, um, nature. But for me, for most of my life, movement has been a big way for me to ground. Hmm. But yes, mm, so to, say, yeah. to sum to sum that up, I am highly effective. <laughs> I I am. It is when you suck in other people's stuff, and that's a part of what I understand about my nature. And I'm I'm assuming it's probably the same for you. We are kind of conduits. We are open to receive that stuff, um, and that's the reason I'm able to hold space for people and and earn their trust and do this work with them because the the work of a coach is basically, as, as Bobby Parrish, the one who started this International Association of Trauma Recovery Coaching, she's taught me, she's been my mentor and teacher, it is, you're essentially a surrogate. You know, we, mm. we sit with a client, whether online or in person, and, and one of the first things I say is, I exist here so you can learn to trust me, and then you can learn to trust yourself again, and then possibly at the end of this, you learn to trust others again. And I don't want to keep clients. I want to see that fast, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, well, we, we talked, you talked about it a little bit, but um, if you can get a little more into it, you know, just for the uninitiated, what is, you know, trauma recovery coaching and how long have you been a trauma recovery coach? Okay. I, I, I'll start with the, the second question. I started my journey in learning with uh, a, an initial intensive training. So I went to a nearly week-long training in Orlando, uh, oh, gosh, April of 2018. Uh, I am now finishing up my advanced certification, and it should be done very soon with my supervisory certification. So now I'm becoming a part of leadership and training within the organization. Um, and I'll explain a little bit behind that just really quickly. The advanced certification allows coaches to help with mentoring, new coaches coming in. The supervisory allows me to event, to eventually start training uh, those other mm. coaches coming in. Because we want to – Bobby's vision is to see this ripple effect, to see it change the world. And her pricing is very um, reasonable. There's other people out there doing stuff, and they're just taking an arm and a leg. But she is a survivor. Almost everyone mm-hmm. I've met that's become a coach in this organization is a survivor of, of trauma. A lot of CSA, a lot of narcissistic um, abuse, emotional abuse, neglect, um, even some uh, what do you, what's it not, what's it called? Um, P, P, parent not expected. PN, am I thinking correctly? People finding out that their parents are not their parents. There's a lot of that going on nowadays oh. with the you know, the Ancestry.com and things like that. So that's a big group that we're seeing coming and, no and, and checking it out. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and, and yeah, I guess it would be pretty coach. traumatic. Yeah, it's very. And, and there is there is a fellow coach in our organization who she found out, and it's been traumatic for her. She found out not too long ago. So that's we're going to try to develop some curriculum around that. Um, hmm. Yes, and then we have coaches who are, you know, have spent a lifetime in addiction recovery themselves. That's a part of their story. We have coaches who may have coaches who have been in the military, so they're really strong on the PTSD military model. Um, we have coaches who are who have been therapists, have been counselors, who are neurobiologists. So it's kind of just because you become a coach, it's not just picking up this week-long training and going out into the world and saying, "Hey, I'm a coach. Hire me." A lot of people have had a lifetime, lifelong, their own lifelong journey. Um, and uh, I'll get back to your first question now, Joe. Sorry. The what is a trauma <laughs> no recovery problem. coach? You know, it's it's different than a therapist or a counselor or or a medical, you know, psychologist, somebody who prescribes medicine. We're obviously not prescribing medication. We're not doing diagnosis. Um, if someone is in a state of activation where they're actively suicidal or they're actively abusing or using drugs, um, they're in an abusive situation, um, we are I'm very upfront. When, when I 
sign up to work with someone, I have in my contract, my policies and procedures, it's all in there, and we do a, a risk assessment in the beginning. If they meet a certain criteria, I'm going to recommend. I can I can work co-concurrently with a therapist, and I would love to be in contact with a therapist or a counselor in that process, and still work with somebody as a coach. But coaching is mm-hmm. not therapy, you know. If that is going on, they need other resources. So a big part of the coaching is for someone who comes in and they have maybe a higher level of activation, they're not able to regulate their nervous system very well or something, and we get a lot of that because there is a need for this. Um, we're going to recommend to find local resources for them, to find you know, a safe house or to find um, – something in their area, even helping them, so helping somebody find a therapist. Uh, the a neat part of being a part of the association is I'll meet with someone and do a free discovery call and say, hey, I would love to work with you because, you know, I do this for a living. I, I've invested a lot of money in this, and I want to make money, but I prefer mm-hmm. to refer you over to my friend Jen or my friend Jade or my friend uh, Lucy because I know that there might be a better match for someone. And it's yeah. all about the it's all about the relationship. Um, another quote to quote Bobby, you know, it's this trauma that we carry around happens in the relationships that, that we have in childhood mostly. And some of us later in life, you know, we, there's also acute trauma. There's like, there's a rape and sexual abuse and, and, and marital abuse, things like that, that happen. Not to, not to preclude those or to, to exclude those. But the, the developmental trauma, that's my kind of my sweet spot. That's where I come from, and I really empathize and get that, um, is that, that relationships cause the trauma that we carry. The relation, but these relationships, a coaching relationship, has the potential to heal it, to lead towards trust relationships again. Hmm. I, can, I can appreciate that. Yeah, for you sure. Know, I mean, I, I spent my whole life uh, with trust issues, um, I couldn't begin to tell you where that comes from, but it's something I've I've dealt with all my life. And uh, you know, I I have a lot of friends, and I know a lot of people, but the amount of people that I fully and truly, completely trust, that's a very small number, you know. Yeah. So yeah. it's yeah, I I uh, I completely get that. You know, um, that's that's a trust is a tough thing to rebuild. You know. Yes. Oh God, I love yeah. the, the. I use this with my kids, and I, Joe, I'm picking up on yours right now. I mean, this is making me kind of tear up because we're you're not alone. I'm the same mm-hmm. with that here. We're you're talking about, and not to and not to exclude any other group, but as men, it's just not expected. Stoicism. Yeah. Or or abuse of a substance or becoming aggressive, those are acceptable for a man. Yeah. Saying, hey, buddy, I, I'm struggling it is not. Um, and, and finding people you can trust to, to, to deal with that stuff, man. Um, yeah. It's hard. It's it real hard. You know. And the relationship piece, most of the communication is nonverbal, man. So when you go to talk to somebody and you show up and some of that emotion comes out and you, even if you aren't even able to start talking, the guy picks up on that emotion and they're immediately, most of them are like, ah, I can't deal with this. And whatever yeah. they do to stay away from that or avoid that, they do. And you see that enough times, you and I and anybody else who's been through this, you just learn to stop asking or saying anything. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly it. That's exactly yeah. it. Um. Let's see. I was about to ask you a question, but Scott is oh, sorry. typing us some. <laughs> oh, no, no, you're fine. No, no, you're good. Um, Scott's typing us a message, and uh, I have a feeling it has to do with us taking our first break. Um, just yeah, that's exactly what it is. So, <laughs> All um, right. What we gen- what we generally do is we'll we'll chat for a good twenty twenty five minutes, and then you know play a song just to take a break, and so that's what we're gonna do. So um, we will catch you on the other side of Dear My Future Self by David Hernandez. Yep. All right. Dear my future self. Whoa, whoa, whoa. 
I've been running in circles. It's a journey, it's a journey, it's a struggle, but I know. When the world breaks, you stand tall. When you feel pain, you fight it up. When they go low, you go high. Cause you're gonna rewrite the storyline. Those that don't believe in you, stand well. They try to keep you down, but time will tell. Take a leap of faith, you won't fail. Have the right to work, and in my future still. Hey guys, welcome back to Voices for Change 2.0. I'm Joe, she's Rebecca, and on the line we have the lovely and talented Mr. Will Wismiller. How you doing, sir? You flatter, sir. I do. That's what I do. So, um, but yeah, you know, like we we you know we were talking on on the break a little bit that um, you know, we were talking about like our our, our artistry and being artistic and having an outlet and having an outlet. And I think, you know, sometimes the, those that are more artistically inclined, you know, maybe they have a harder time expressing themselves and getting all their stuff out. You know, um, this thought literally just popped into my head. Um, You think about some of the great uh, comedians in in life, you know that that we've seen, uh, you know, um, your your Adam Sandler's and your uh, Louis Andersons and and you know different people like that that will will have something going on with them, you know, their their weight right. or their angry or what have you, and something happens along their journey, as you know, especially as they rise, you know, they'll they'll seek out. Um, a way to address whatever trauma they've dealt with in the past, and you see their material kind of change. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes right. for the better, sometimes for the worse. Sometimes their entire career goes down a completely different path. And you know, it's it's interesting because it kind of makes me wonder. Well, you know, when you're 
some type of artist, are you drawing on that pain to inform what you're doing? And now that you've relieved that pain, can you still do what you're doing? You know, mm. just an yeah. interesting thought, you know, because you do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, you think about Eddie some, Murphy. Eddie, yeah. Eddie Murphy's one of them. Uh, Mike Myers is another one. Robin you know, Williams. he was huge. Robin Williams is not well. Robin Williams never completely. He never really. He didn't like, over. He didn't drop. He didn't drop off the face of the earth like no, Eddie Murphy did. did. Like you didn't. Yeah. You didn't see Eddie Murphy for years. You still don't hardly see him anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Jim you Carrey. know, and Jim Carrey's another yeah. one. Yeah, he's totally changed. Yeah, you know, and I I remember hearing Sandler in particular say, "Well, you know, I'm not that." angry young man that I was and I think that's partly where that comes from you know at least for him you know right. uh, and again I'm, you know I mentioned Louis Anderson because you know I know you know a lot of his comedy came from the the trauma of him growing up you know being overweight and you know he he had lost some weight and got counseling for it and now you don't hear as much about him you know, and, yeah. I, you know, sure. so anyway, I know, I'm not really sure where I was going with that. Well, and I will just mention, I don't think he'd have a problem. So we were talking about uh, our friend Brian Cardoza and his art. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Amazing. And he's also, you know, he's got this ability to, to communicate and share his story. Um, yep. You know, he's openly shared about how, and this is my, my story too, how is generally, what is it? I don't even know if it's, the stat correctly, if it's 80 or 90% of, of men who pick up bodybuilding or, or strength building of some sort are have been sexually abused or some sort of abuse as a child, um, mm-hmm. it's staggering, you know, because they want to become strong. I want to become strong. Nobody's going to hurt me again. Um, right. You know, that's so it's, but yes, getting back to that, that story of, the artistry that comes out, does that mean once you come to, to that point that you can't have that, that ability? I don't think so. I think it just maybe comes into, it shifts. You, yeah. It doesn't become as important for you to, whether it's Adam Sandler being you know, the angry young man or somebody taking on, because you see the world is so screwed up, like say, you know, Jim Carrey throwing things in, uh, up in people's faces. And he's very, you know, his political drawings are just wild and amazing. But it, they might yes. shift to a place of more compassion and, and realize that, you know, life's more about me finding joy than it is for me trying to get whatever this demon in me is out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing is yeah. I, th- I think the focus shifts, you know. Um, that's why I haven't seen much with Mike Myers. You know, he... Uh, eventually, I think sought out a, a, a Buddhist or something, uh, and and went down that path. And his focus changed, you know. And yeah, you know, he's starting to pop up here and there with things, but I don't know. I uh, I don't know where I was going with that. That's all right. So um, let's get back to our yeah. questions, though. Sure, sure. So so the question I was going to ask before our break was. And you briefly mentioned it, but I'd really like to to get uh, into it, is uh, what is neuroaffective touch and how is it used in trauma recovery? Okay. I I love neuroaffective touch. I am passionate about the work. Aileen LaPierre is, she's in the L.A. area, developed this out of so many other modalities, somatic experiencing, um, body work, massage, acupressure. It's informed by, by NARM, which is, stands for the Neuroaffective neuro Relational Model of Healing Trauma. And it takes into account a, a top-down and bottom-up approach to therapist use. So I'm not a NARM-trained therapist, but I am a Neuroaffective Touch-trained body worker. So there's a difference. Mm-hmm. If somebody works okay. in arm, they are using basically a talk therapy method to deal with the the prefrontal cortex and how we logically, you know, think through 
um, our past and, and history and in therapy. And that's been typically the medical model of, of a psychological intervention. But NARM takes into effect the embodied brain and how trauma stores and cortisol stores in every cell of our body and, we tr- and tries to create connections from the bottom up. And Alien Lapierre, who developed the neuroaffective touch, talks about how, you know, once the body has been in shock from trauma and that stuff gets stored in the body, we need to reconnect the communication between the brain and the body. And the, if you only focus on, on the mind, you're only getting about 30% of the, me- the messages from the brain to the body, from the mind to the body, are, are about 30% of the traffic in the nervous system. 70% is all the messages being sent to the brain. So if we can address mm. that, and you can address that in a form of touch. So neuroaffective touch uses languaging specific to trying to recreate safe connections, create new pathways between the body and the brain, and allow the cortisol to release, allow the new communication between the brain and the, and the body so that there's safety established. So the somatic experiencing piece understands that there is a need to attach meaning to what you feel in your body. If you're feeling your gut wrench or your heart hurt or your back feels like somebody's stabbing you in the back or you feel pain in your legs, it's, it has meaning. There is something behind that. So we, hmm. we dig into that in the, in the work. It's, it's work that's all you know, clothing on. It's, I use a massage table, but sometimes people aren't even comfortable with that. They might just sit in a chair. And if somebody's not if somebody really has, you know, hard issues with trust, we can just start with, okay, whatever you're comfortable with. Um, if someone wants to go that route, try neuroaffective touch. It's very, it's very, it goes hand in hand really well with the coaching, with trauma recovery coaching, because I can establish trust. And if they're, if they're having trouble, if they're really having, still having trust issues and they're stuck, I, we can go into that touch if they want to. And it might just be a hand on a shoulder. And, and we talk about that. How does it feel? If I get somebody on the table, you know, it, it, we, we train in the neuroaffective touch in the thoracic inlet, which is around the throat and the, uh, the collarbone and the, you know, the shoulders. And, and we, we, we also focus, say, on the, the input areas, our eyes, nose, ears, mouth. We'll get into the acupressure points around the navel. There's, there's a lot of places that the nerve... Our, our neurobiology connects different things in our body to the mind. It's amazing what just touching somebody's feet, you know, and we, uh, the, uh, the ability to release and to sink into a feeling of safety so much quicker than just talk therapy has been profound for me when other people hmm. work on me and when I work on others. Um, if you guys have ever heard about there's there's therapists out there who have I don't even know if it's becoming more of a thing but have tested and used basically what's the street drug ecstasy to create a sense of trust and safety in clients and hmm. working through trauma. Um, That's know, it's scary. Type, yeah. T- yeah. Well, it's a titrated. It's a very you know they they only use it in a session. They don't prescribe it to somebody and go home and say here use ecstasy, but they found <laughs> it's very it's very effective. In creating trust quickly. That's why it works hmm. for what people use it for when they put it in somebody's drink, unfortunately. Um, yeah. I, see, I see this touch work, neuroaffective touch, very, very highly effective at getting somebody who is in nervous system activated on a table and, and feeling, guys, when I had somebody work on me, some, some talented folks work on me, I had never felt so at peace I don't remember ever feeling because I've been hypervigilant most of my life. Sinking yeah. into that table and feeling everything in my body as if I just didn't have, I wasn't holding on to any of it. It makes me emotional to talk about it. It's, it's profound. I hope that, ex- that wow. answers the question for you. But um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, in, in my research, I. I Notice that you mentioned that neuroaffective touch also has uses outside of trauma recovery. Um, what what would some of those be? Oh gosh, I mean for some of the same things I mentioned, they, people we're not always aware of why we hold the tension or the stress. Generally, it comes mm-hmm. from somewhere. 
most of our emotional baggage is attached to the body's memories from childhood. You know, so you might have just been emotionally neglected as a child, or you may maybe your your dad uh, was very stoic as mine was. Maybe you're afraid that when somebody looks at you a certain way, even though it's not conscious, uh, your 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 body is going to react to that. So people don't always know. But mm-hmm. people, if you know, people seek out acupuncture, acupressure, massage, Reiki, energy work um, to try to release tension in the body. This is a, I, I find it's a huge, it's more effective for me than just about any of that. I can leave a session and I feel like, uh, you know, when people talk about going to a spa and then just coming back and they're just feeling so zen and, and at peace, having mm-hmm. that experience in a 60 minute or 90 minute, or even if somebody wants to do, I mean, it's more effective to really get into it. I feel that if you do at least an hour, but people want to, even if I can do an hour and a half, then I'm like, Oh, I guarantee you, you're going to feel like, you know, you haven't felt probably in years if you're holding tension. Um, so stress relief, just for the same reason, somebody goes to seek a spa service, you know, it's, it's more than just trauma recovery, though it was developed with that in mind, you know, dealing with people who have a history of some sort of traumatic experience, whether it's complex or acute, but it's, man, it is so much more than that. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. Now, yeah. are there are there other methods for recovering from complex trauma? Well, I mean, I could go with my... With my uh, history of self-care and, and self-help and, and seeking out that I've had success with EMDR. Uh, mm-hmm. However, I caution, you know, somebody find somebody who's trained in it because there is a titration for that too. Do you want to work with somebody who's able to bring you up into it and then bring you back down at the end of the session so that you're not highly activated when you leave? Uh, mm-hmm. I had some pretty lucid dreams afterwards. My, my hypervigilance for years meant I didn't dream at all. I can tell when I'm getting into tr- the, the roots of my trauma, I will start to have some pretty funky dreams. So stuff gets yeah. loosened up. I feel safe. Um, yeah. So EMDR has been one. Brain spotting, um, which I do on my own a lot now too, especially if I'm having trouble sleeping, finding the binaural or bilateral tracks to listen to that that you resonate with. Um, and that, even ASMR, which has kind of a bad rap, but the, the neuroaffective touch kind of that's one of the things that feeds into it's not ASMR that feeds into it but the idea that our body has a midline and trauma tends to disconnect things so so, Aileen described it so well that in in trauma it's a shock to the system and our body has different diaphragmatic if that's the right word diaphragm areas that we will cut off so if I have my heart's hurting. That means that probably my lungs and my heart are, are shut out. They're, they're holding something in. And if we release that disconnect between the heart, lungs, and the rest of the body, that we can start to feel whole and start to feel at peace. Um, that it, we, gosh, she talks about even the, the single-celled organisms will react to, let's say, an electric shock. They are in a flex, in a flux, if you will, of communication back and forth. And then when they're shocked, they'll stop and they'll wait. And they'll eventually recover. We're no different. We're, when we're shocked, we'll, we'll shut down. We'll, we'll, the flow that is inside all of us starts to cut off. It starts to go, it's not safe. I need to hold on to this sense mm-hmm. of hypervigilance because that's not, it's not safe to be in this environment or the situation or whatever reconnecting the, the, the different uh, pieces of the puzzle in the human neurobiology is huge. It, it, it's very informed by polyvagal theory as well and how the nerves travel to the, the different major organs of the body. So when, when I'm on a tab- somebody's on the table with me, we might address uh, you know, the gut, we might address the heart and lungs, we might address you know, the ears. Maybe, maybe somebody was yelled at. A lot, and we just work on the ears, and they have profound uh, healing. So I know I kind of went on and on there, but I hope that <laughs> got to the root of what you're. Yeah, thinking. definitely. Yeah, absolutely. 
you know. Very, very interesting. I haven't heard of a lot of this stuff. I've heard of EMDR, but I haven't heard of a lot of, of any of these other topics, and it's um, definitely uh, enlightening. Definitely, yeah, definitely intriguing. I, I think it's something that we should probably look into more yeah. just in our own personal lives. You know, so, well, we live in the Midwest, which is kind of a void for a lot of these things, you know. Yeah, yeah. that's for sure. <laughs> The Midwest is kind of a void for a lot. <laughs> um, just, just saying. Uh, but uh, one thing that I noticed in our research, um, you know, you, you work with, uh, you know, International Association of Trauma Recovery Coaching. Um, they have a holiday pay it forward campaign. Um, yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. Yes. Any, anyone who within the association who's certified, that means they have their CTRC after their name, Certified Trauma Recovery Coach, um, is invited to if they want to take part in this promotion. So through the end of the year, through December 31st, anyone who has decided, myself included, to take part in that promotion is offering unlimited $25 sessions. So no matter what any of the coaches decide in their business model to charge, regardless of what they charge, they decide to to do $25 sessions if they take part in this promotion. So for me, I'm doing hour-long sessions for $25. And I'm actually offering that, too, for my brick-and-mortar business for the body work, which I charge a lot more <laughs> for that. But um, So if somebody, somebody's local to me in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, and they come to me for that, and they've never done it before because they can't afford to spend the money, and the, and the coaching. Some 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 of the coaches in the association are very reasonably priced, and they because they know most of us who are in trauma recovery are, have probably had a lifetime struggling with financial situations because we're still holding on to the effects of that trauma. So that's mm-hmm. a huge thing during the holidays. We all you know you know what's weird, Joanne Rebecca. It's it seems to be more common to hear people talking about on social media how hard the holidays are than it is to talk about how much joy there is in the holidays. It's just wild. Yeah, it, it, and it's funny that you mentioned that because you do see that more. You know, you, you hear more about the grumbling of the holiday season and, you know, it's it's inconvenient to do this or that or I have to go and see these people that I only see once or twice a year and I can't really stand them or, you know, any number of things that can make the holidays miserable and, you know, you, you hear from people, oh, I hate the holidays, you know, whatever. And, you know, the the actual joy of the season, it seems like, yeah, I remember, you know, being a kid, you know, the holidays were, were a great time of year, you know, everybody was festive and all that. And it seems like a lot of that has gone away. And, yeah. you know, I, I can't speak for anybody else, but I know for me, you know, we've got a radio station here that, that plays Christmas music. 24 hours a day starting November 1st. And, yeah. you know, I force feed myself that stuff to try and help get me into the holiday spirit. And I watch holiday baking shows. Yes, she does. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and repeat. A lot. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I never in my life knew what a croakenbush was until we started watching these shows, and now I can't get the stupid word out of my head. Oh, God, no, don't tell me. I don't want to know. <laughs> on, on a side note, it looks really tasty. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it, it, and, and the holidays can be a traumatic time of year, too, you know, and, and trying to find a little bit of joy in the season, um, you know, sometimes that's the challenge. You know what it is, too, though, is that as we're getting older and our social network is the people are getting older, we're losing people. Mm-hmm. You know, our yeah. my parents are gone. Um, your father and grandmother are gone. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, your mom is still here. But, uh, you know, I've, I've lost two brothers in the last few years. Um, and it's just, you. the older you get, the harder the holidays become because you sort of long for what it used to be. And uh, you can't find that anymore. Yeah. So you have to start all over again with your own new traditions and try to, yes. you know, find joy that way. Yeah. You know, a, a, a godsend for us was actually, uh, and we've we've mentioned this before, but um, 
Beck's niece Katie uh, had her her first child last year, and so this will be Luna, technically Luna's second Christmas because she was about mm, a month old. So yeah, so you know that's and that's kind of a thing for us now is we've got this to look forward to is we get to experience Christmas all over again through her eyes, which yeah. you know because Beck and I never had kids, so that's kind of our surrogate kid almost, you know, yeah. and, and trying like to like the grandparents. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. So I, I don't know whose quote this is, but people say in order to, to maintain a sense of, of youthful joy, hang out with people under seven and over 70. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can see that. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're getting pretty close to uh, having to wrap up the show. So why don't you tell us, uh, how our listeners can contact you and a little bit about your social media links. You bet. Hey, uh, I've, I've got my website, rollistmiller.com, which is a work in progress. I'm still wanting to uh, make it easier for people to connect, but they can um, through that. They can send me an email, support at Um They can connect with me on my Facebook business page, Willis Miller Coaching. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Willis Miller Coaching, and I'm on Twitter at the Unquiet One, and it's the number one. Um, so I've got my for now. I've got my phone number out there. Until that becomes a problem, um, I'm going to leave it out there. But it's five seven three eight three seven nine one two four, because I want people to feel like they can reach out whatever way is comfortable for them. If somebody texts me, you know, I, I try to get back right away to people, no matter how they get in touch with me within 24 hours. Sometimes it might be 48, because you know what? Guess what? I'm a trauma survivor too. Sometimes yeah, I right. go into a cave. Yeah, sometimes I go into a cave. Um, so just know that. Reach out, and I'm there. But if I don't respond, it's not because I don't want to. Um, and real quick, I want to mention that uh, just because I'm such so passionate about what I do that if people are interested in the trauma recovery coaching, there's a new initial class coming up in February of next year. Look up the IAOTRC. If you type that in, you're going to get to the International Association of Trauma Recovery Coaching. Look into that if if it sounds interesting to you. Um, I'm going to actually be assisting at a training in San Francisco for the Neuroaffective Touch in February. So please reach out to Aileen Lafayette's website, neuroaffectivetouch.com. Um, if you're interested in training, they've got it in, in LA, in San Francisco next year. I think there's going to be one in Australia. She just finished one up in Oslo, Norway. Uh, Amazing stuff. So if you're an existing body worker or therapist, you could get into that model. They tend to, tend to like people to have some sort of background already. Um, Hmm. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that, oh, I, I was interviewed for a book not long ago by Marissa L. Cohen. Marissa Cohen wrote a book, Break, uh, Breaking the Silence, talking about she interviewed a lot of people who were uh, sex abuse survivors. So she she, went, she wrote a book recently called Breaking the Silence, Men Too. Um, hmm. So that I would like to slug her because she put my information for coaching in the back of her book too. So I feel like, you know, hey, quid pro quo. I asked her yeah. when I came on if I could mention and she's doing some some amazing work. She has a foundation called Within Your Reach in the, in the Chicago area, and she does a lot of things in that area. So, oh, cool. Yeah. Well, that's very cool. Yeah. And what is next for you? Oh gosh, uh, I just moved into a bigger office space in the same house that I'm in in Cape Girardeau, so that's been exciting. Uh, in the mm-hmm. new year. Well, this promotion, this pay it forward promotion through the association is going to hopefully we'll, we'll get an influx uh, of people seeking help the holiday season. I really hope to see that happen. Um, in the new year, I've got, I will be working as a, at the supervisory level soon for the association. So I'll be, be training at, more at the training level through the association, as well as being involved as an assistant for, for Aileen in the neuroaffective touch. That's, so trying to build my social media presence has been hard for me. I'm not one. I'm more of an extrovert. I like to uh, be out and about and do and see and connect and build locally. I really want to try to build right. my business because I'm in the Midwest. I have a there's a, I have a friend who's a coach in St. Louis, and we're the only two that I know of are coaches out here, and I'm the only one. 
I think I know one in Chicago area that was at the training I went to for the neuroeffective touch. We're the only ones out here in the Midwest who can do wow. that work. You know, I'd like to see that get because more people are asking, "What is it?" You have to build right. a trust level with. with I mean, the show me states are like, "What is that? Show me!" You know. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, good good luck with getting it built, and hopefully, being on our show will will definitely you know contribute to that. Um, it's again, it's something we're definitely curious about now. Uh, I, I think it would be beneficial to the both of us uh, to to pursue some more, just personally, and. Um, you know, thanks for helping us shed some light on it, Will. You know, we we're really grateful about that. Oh, guys, I'm so thankful to have the opportunity. You know, your audience, you've got a lot of people that follow you, and the and the hashtag Keep Talking MH has been has led me to meeting other folks uh, online cool. and connecting. So Thank yeah, you. I it's a way to pay back. Uh, you know, keep doing what you're doing, and you know, I know I understand going into the cave. And gosh, mm. there's so much compassion. And I know Rebecca, you've you've been open and vocal about how you've been doing, and I'm so thankful that you're back. And Joe and you guys oh, are back here you. doing doing this. Oh, thanks. Yes. And I would love it's, to it's come good. on again in the future. You know, if you ever need to fill a spot, let me know. All right, we would love to have you. Just, Absolutely. You know, you know where to find me. So reach out if anything new comes up that you want to talk about, and we'll try to get you on. Yep. And we'll uh, do. We'll do. Stay- Stay on the line, Will. Uh, we're going to be finishing out the show with the song Your Magic from Matt Stern, and we'll see you guys next week. Adios. Take care, everybody. Every show. You are the best thing. You hold my heart inside your hands. Your magic. You make me crazy. Your touch, it makes me lose my head. It's tragic. It's all over That's what you said It's all finished Gonna lay in bed And tell your friends They can leave when they want to Yeah.